So I think I'm making a, a small mistake with my clothing choices. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who, <laughs> who goofed up. No, I, yesterday I met Namit Frem. I show up in a suit. He's wearing a sweater and he looks comfortable. Today I dress up again, and you look <laughs> so much more comfortable than me. And I feel no, like I changed. I yeah. went back home. I changed, and then I got came. I went home to change too. <laughs> This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shatar, and this is The Beirut Banyan. I know very little about what brought you personally into politics. Your name is familiar. Uh, your, your principles are known. Um, I think in regular times, we know you just as a figure who stands by Sami Jmeir. But I don't know you separate from that story. So can you tell me a bit about what drove you into politics and really maybe your earliest memories of what took you there as well? Because we're not far apart in age. And my childhood memories of this country are not good memories. They're bad memories of war. And I'm wondering if you remember Lebanon that way as well, or if you had a different experience growing up. No, actually, we, we officially started, and it's very much... Oh, yeah, we officially started. Yeah. <laughs> I try to make it very comfortable. Yeah, just get as close as you can. Yeah. Uh, look, I, uh, obviously, I'm, uh, I was raised in... In, in a village called Rumi, and we've been part of uh, whatever happened, all the events that happened during the war. My family, myself, uh, my relatives, we were part of what we went through, all of us. And I'm from a Kata'if family. Uh, my parents um, uh, were, were protecting, were defending us in the 70s and 80s, early 80s against the Syrians, against the Palestinians, and we're, we're proud of this. We, we believe that they have done the right thing, and I think it's because of them we're still here, we still have a free country. Uh, despite all the, maybe the remarks and uh, comments and complaints anyone would have for a party that was there, and we're talking about the Kata'i party that was dominant at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, as much as we are proud of our history, we also took the learnings from all the mistakes that we have done. And personally, I was raised in this village and I went to school and to university, all of them in Lebanon. And I started my career, um, I did a, a, a BA in marketing. And then uh, I started my career in, in marketing. Things were okay in terms of uh, job markets and uh, we were fine. Actually, these were the golden days of our age. And you're 2000. Oh, late. Yeah. Okay, so, so well beyond the civil war. The civil war. I think we were too young to 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 have an opinion. Mm. We were we were casualties. 
Yeah. Uh, childhood, spending our childhood, yani, like everyone else. Yeah. Um, but but then again, I think somehow this made us stronger. This made us more uh, resilient, having the ability to adapt to many situation, uh, many situations. We 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 somehow were forged. I don't know if we can say this in in English, but we were molded, mm. if you want. Mm. Uh, in a way that we're, our generation is different because we went through this without yeah. really being in it. Yeah. So we've witnessed it, we've uh, experienced it, all the bad times, and we were making out of simple things uh, pleasures and, and joy and happiness. You know, the reason I'm starting it off this way is because what you're outlining is really a family that stood by its beliefs whether in the Kitaib or not, but it did not change that much, even though Lebanon was changing, and at times for the worse. And, I mean, we both know in the 1990s, the party and the association with the Syrian regime was not something that came naturally, whether it was Kitaib members or, or voters. This was a forced reality on, on all parties in this country, but Kitaib paid a price. Um, but the reason I wanted to go further back is because somebody who's not in Kataib, I think it took me a while to come to terms with perhaps bias towards Kataib. Yes, and I, I'm I, not surprised. I yeah, I, 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 but, and I don't know if that's because my earliest memories are relatives during the Civil War that had two, two words that when they were uttered, it was usually out of reluctance or even out of fear. One was Al-Uwait, Lebanese forces, and the second is Kata'ib. And they usually came together, not always. And I know that the same people that used to say these things growing up changed their tune completely, well before October 17. So there's a, there's a generational shift with the way people understand this word. But then I'll ask you in a careful way. I don't think of myself as the majority. I don't know if I am or not, but I, I, I doubt I am. I think it took a larger population more time to accept Kata'ib as a reform party only. And I'm really focusing now on October 17. Can you maybe offer any explanation why it took that long and why, to some degree, it's still a discussion that comes up? I have attended so many functions in recent weeks. You would think this issue is over with. And it's still brought up. Of course. So I'm, I know I'm jumping <coughs> way from the 1970s until today, but I think the word has changed in meaning. It's changed in tone, and you're you're a lifelong member or lifelong believer in this in this party. So could you offer any explanation why it's such a difficult journey? Look, I I think uh, the party itself. I think the destiny of such parties it's either to go to, to disappear from the political life mm. or to evolve and adapt mm. to the current uh, days that we're living. Yeah. Current trends, current uh, uh, issues that we need to discuss, issues that we need to take care of. Uh, the Kataya party has always been a reformist party. Uh, a very small, and I insist on this because I'm, and I'm, I admire the, the question because really a very small part, which is probably, let's say, 10 years, not more, mm. 10 years, where we were 
playing a role in the war. But all the all the seventy seven other years. Oh, oh, I see. We're yeah. doing what any mm. party would do in a normal country, despite mm. the mm. fact that we're not in living in a normal country. Because when we when the party was was founded in 1936, there was a big issue in the country, which is the independence, and we mm-hmm. played a vital role in that. Yeah. The second event was 1958, where yes. definitely they wanted to um, to 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 have a melted uh, entity. With with Syria, Egypt, you know all, all the uh, Egyptian Revolution and Abdel Nasser, and this we we stood firm for that mm-hmm. against that. Yeah. 1975, when when the Palestinians wanted to have Lebanon as their second country, we did refuse, we did uh, resist, and we fought for having uh, a f- uh, an occupation-free country. From the Palestinians, same thing happened in the early 80s against the Syrians, and we can name the battles that happened. But we had men and women, uh, brave men and women, that stood firm and protected their families, their people. Their and today, fast forward, after in the 1990s, we were totally out of the political picture in Lebanon until the 2000. Let's say 2000, 2005. Okay, when Pierre Jmeil, the martyr, um, penetrated this uh, statue quo, uh, or broke in, actually, uh, this this um, political mm-hmm. portrait in Lebanon in 2000, and he won. He won big. The the resurgence of Kateeb definitely comes with the Syrian withdrawal. I think it's safe to say that in the months leading up to Syria's Departure. This party becomes more and more uh, synonymous with March 14, and those independence uh, chants and sovereignty slogans. But I'm going to go back again just a bit. The years that drove Lebanese to fight each other, so the early 1970s, and you allude to this in a way. And this is not true, because we haven't been involved in a war. Against another Lebanese, and we can name that. Definitely, there was issues. There were issues among I don't know where, but definitely there was mashakil, but not uh, not a war. We have not been involved in a what is so-called civil or harb ahli, meaning mm-hmm. Lebanese against the Lebanese. We fought against the Palestinians and against the Syrian. Occupation. No, I, I I appreciate you insisting on on correcting the lexicon because I agree to I agree to a degree that most of the civil war years are more associated with regional problems in Lebanon than Lebanese necessarily not getting along. But I, I'd like to, with your permission, the 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 build up to 1975. My understanding of those years, and you tell me if I'm wrong, is that there is a There is an I'm not arm- a historian. No, no, I, I, I won't. <laughs> well, the good news is neither one of us was born back then. But this is what I mean. I think, in a way, this helps heals a bit in terms of finding a narrative, because I think I insist on something. The problem today is that there's not a shared narrative of what kateeb means when it comes to reform. So I'd like to try to figure this out with you, with you. The build up to 1975 is largely due. To a militia in Lebanon, 
that is outside of state control. And that's Fatah. I'll take issue with the way you describe the Palestinians with a second home. I think it's maybe easier or maybe more, more, maybe it's more fruitful to suggest that Fatah was looking for a base rather than Palestinians looking for a second country. But that could be lexicon, that could be language. No, but I agree. Yeah, that it's I not, agree. I mean, I, I think Arafat's journey into Lebanese politics is much more of a problem than Palestinians without a home. But, but, in the early 1970s, I have an uncle, my father's older brother, who was part of Kata'ib in Tripoli. Mm -hmm. And he was also part of Kata'ib in AUB. And he was an anomaly in that, from Tripoli, very vocal, and at AUB also, which was not exactly Kata'ib friendly back then. Yeah. And in Lebanese terms, he was not let's say, not of the majority community in Kata'ib. I mean, his name was Hassan, and uh, he was an outsider, I think, into the, what most people thought of, which was there was an old political party associated sometimes with not politics, could be with sports. There were sports centers across the country. There were members of Kata'ib that were not political. But there was an armed reaction to an armed presence. And then Kata'ib turns into something more than a party. It turns into a very well-known militia during the Civil War. And you mentioned this already. Is there anything there in terms of explaining what's different today? Meaning, we have an armed militia in the country that serves a regional cause. Kata'ib is not arming. Or for that matter, no other group is arming. Is that at least offering a gesture to what reform is all about, meaning that you don't have an armed reaction to an armed presence today. Instead, you have a young, very dynamic political party that's working through parliament. And I, I, I don't know if that's a way of trying to heal these two versions of Kata'ib. Because I think it's a good thing that a very old party that became a militia for 10 years or 15 years out of the 90 years. Out of the 90 years yeah. is not turning into a militia. I think that's a very important factor. This is why I was, yeah. So can you, can you add to that and see, is, is there anything that makes sense to you in that way of looking at Kata'ib during the 70s and 80s and looking at Kata'ib today? But we have to look at the Kata'ib life cycle, right? So the foundation <laughs> yeah. uh, era, the independence event, the 1958 revolution, the 1975 resistance, the 1980s, early 1980s, and then things went uh, crazy. Out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't have a role after that, mm -hmm. after 1988, until 2000, and then 2005. You had a forced role that was not your own. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a, we believe yeah. that the, the, the party was kidnapped yeah. by the influence of the Syrian occupation. Yeah. And obviously they wanted to have a friend Kata'ib rather mm -hmm. than the uh, a head Kata'ib. And uh, they, they did what they do best, is that they isolated yeah. President Amin Jmail, they exiled him. So we, uh, I believe, mm, I, I'm a strong believer that the party is reformist and the party, the tagline of the party is social democratic party. And when we, so, when we say social, it's completely the opposite of what we have been labeled, labeled during a certain period that we're an extreme rightist mm -hmm. 
And when we say uh, democratic, it's the also the opposite of what people perceive as that this is a Jmayil family uh, right. party. So it's it's interesting because also out of the seven party chiefs, we have three from the family Jmayil and four not from the family Jmayil. True. Uh, also, I'm we're in the 2020s, and um, I think with the revolution, with the digital revolution that the world is witnessing, uh, you could be watching Netflix and and tweet for Elon Musk and he would reply, or <laughs> Joe Biden. He would. So the world has changed. So there's no more za'im. Mm, in a, mm. yeah, there's no more a god uh, or, or a goddess that people would follow like in the 40s and the 50s and, you know, the ultimate leader leadership it's everything is debatable everything is questionable everything is uh, he could be wrong he could be right mm. and i'm proud to be part of a party that represents 90% of what i stand for and i'm not i'm like you like anyone else from this generation that i i'm not forced to i'm not obliged and in a way many majboor to be in, in the Kata'i party. It's by choice. Mm. And whenever this party, whenever this party mm, takes the wrong decision, we debate this and we, mm. we have very fierce discussions in the political bureau. We do defend the, the decisions that we take because we're committed, but at the same time, we challenge many, many uh, understandings and many probably principles uh, that the party has been uh, f founded on. But at the same time, we have evolved, we have renewed uh, the, the political speech, we have yeah. tackled issues and topics that maybe, maybe this is not the right time, but we do what's right. I think if, if there's one party that's going to emerge as a, uh, as a success story, when it comes to the upcoming elections, in terms of being able to pitch itself as a reform party, ally itself with October 17 parties, exit the previous government well before uh, October 17, and resign from parliament when, when it was right. And now... Also, sorry, yeah. also positioned ourselves in the 2018 elections yeah against the manzumi against the and and our campaign actually that we ran uh, back then was a revolution against all the misery that we're living and and it was a the slogan was i don't know if you've seen the video the video was people screaming and and yelling uh, no, and I mean it's it was a revolution before the revolution. I think it's fair to say it was changing already, and even in 2016, withdrawing in a way out of spite in terms of what happened with Baabda and what brought Michel on to, to power. I think there's a lot of Kateb has made the right enough right decisions for it to be labeled as a reformist party. That's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. But I'll also say there's a lot of uh, shared belief. I think. And what many Lebanese want today, which is not only Kata'ib. I'll give you one example. 
the, the real plea and call for a disarmament of the last militia in this country. And I believe Qatar members, when they say that they want to see this end, that they want Hezbollah to reform as well, that this party should not be the way it operates. It should join the club and either reform or, or fade. But I hear it in that there's always policy offered for every other issue. When it comes to that specific issue, it's almost like there's a wall. that You make it into parliament, or even you get a cabinet post, or even, let's say, this is speculation now, one day Sami Jmeyed is president of this country. I don't think there's any institution or any hall of power where that issue can be confronted in Lebanon. And I don't know if that's going to help or hurt the cause in terms of this being so fundamental, yet we don't have a policy forward to address it locally. So in a way, there's two questions here. Do you think this issue is challengeable locally through elections or through parliament or whatever? Or do you think that it's beyond Lebanon's control, that we say it out of necessity, but it's also an acceptance that there isn't much you can do. No, I think let's go back to the probably the most noble or the best or the most amazing moment we've lived, which is March 14, 2005. Thank you. You know, I, I always I always appreciate when a guest is willing to say this no, so naturally. Really, I think it's uh, thank you. Yeah. It's probably the the moment that we have. Sorry for. Yeah, no, we have we had pleasure. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. Look, I I don't know if you need to light up the. Uh, oh, the, the, we're look. looking a little dark. You I know, think. Let me pause. Let me pause here. <laughs> yeah, good call. March fourteen, uh, the best moment. Let's start from there. I think we we all lived this glorious people's moment back then, and we all believed that this country can rise again and we all believe that we the young generation of this country can make the change against all odds but to be realistic also there were three main components for having the Syrians withdraw one you had the people in the streets mm -hmm. you have this huge pressure that probably half of the population were in the streets calling for Syria out Two, you had brave men and women like Pierre Jmail, Jubran Twaini, Nasib Lahoud, Feris Saeed, uh, many others were, Antoine Ghanem were, were, were raising their voices in the parliament and calling for the withdrawal of Syrians. Three that we don't have today is the intersection of the international community's interest. Mm -hmm with the Lebanese people's interest. Mm -hmm. And there was there was a com compliance, I don't know how do we call it, uh, complice or uh, between the Sir between the Americans and the French back then. I think you had George Bush, George W. Bush and Sarkozy if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, uh, Chirac or oh, Chirac. Uh, yeah. No, Chirac well, no, was Chirac. Yeah. I don't remember, but there was there was this common interest back then that m made all this formula work mm. and having because we did not believe that 
it could happen that fast. Yeah. It could happen from a night to another. We believed that, we, and we were fighting for that. We were students. Mm-hmm. We were, uh, you remember 7th of August. You remember all these big events that marked us as this generation. Yeah. Um, and it happened. Today, I think we need the people's pressure again, like it happened in, in uh, October 17. We need brave men and women to be in the parliament and to clearly state that here in the parliament, in this institution, we have to solve our own problems with the arm of Hezbollah. So I'll, we'll go into this and we'll bring it up to speed. But there's one issue I want to understand because I really like the way you lay it out. And that when these things line up enough, things work in favor of a protest movement. So I really appreciate that way of looking at March 14's success. But that success did not or could not go that extra step, which was what to do with Hezbollah and Iran's influence. And it was almost overnight that the Syrian withdrawal brought in something equally problematic. Mm-hmm. Even though the breathing space changed in that we could all talk about everything, and we all do that for a living now. This is what I do. Um, but talking for a living and talking endlessly without any solutions, I think that has marked us for 17 years. Do you think that all that's missing right now is that third component? In that the international arena needs to look at Lebanon as something that should be looked at as a lost sovereign state that needs to be neutralized to a degree that has to get out of regional conflict? Is that really just the final step in this story? Because I can subscribe to that if, if we're looking at where we are right now in terms of reformists entering parliament and unable to do anything about it. They're looking for that third factor. I think first let's uh, we we the people that were in the streets the, everyone that was in the street during March uh, during October 17 mm. are tired are disappointed uh, are bankrupt and maybe cold mm. and hungry yeah and the other part left the country. This is the dramatic portrait of what happened. Today, I think the elections could be this candle in the dark that would give people the reasons to all the reasons Mm. either to come back to get their hands dirty with all of us that we're facing this. Um, Raise their voices state what they have to state and the elections could be um, a bridge for free men and women to go into brave to go into the parliament and uh, also put this on the table at the end the international community i believe that we as people can make our own destiny and i'm not talking poetry here but <laughs> but really the the international community 
I wouldn't say would follow or would abide or would, but we can impose also the way we want to live. At the end of the day, we are a human capital rich country. We are a good potential oil and gas and other resources rich company, a country. We have, we are we are a unique example of a cohabitation amongst many um, cultures, many uh, religions, many, I mean, Lebanon is special, whether we like it or not. And I don't say that only to say the symbolism of it. I say that because we live it, we love it, and we breathe it, and we eat it, and we, th this is us. So I believe we have everything that makes, that would make us a country a normal country, I would say, and we can make it happen. I agree with you, but what does that imposition look like? We've we've had parliaments post Syria, where Kateib was in parliament and did did fairly well. What makes this round different? What, why is 2022 any different than outcomes in 2005 or even 2009, when that larger problem is still out of reach? Because I. The way you're saying it makes it sound like even if it's out of reach, you can impose a reality through elections and through governance and all that. But what does that look like? It's hard for me to see it. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, it's it's the same if I, if I told you in 2004 the Syrians will be out in one year. Mm. Would you believe that? No. Exactly. Would you believe back then, maybe we, we were not born yet, but would you believe that a huge militia of armed Palestinians, Fatah, not Palestinians, that were in Lebanon with huge Arab support and a huge uh, international uh, sympathy. Um, would you believe that few brave men and women would stand firm and bottom line win this huge thing in conf conf that we were confronting? No. Same thing uh, uh, today. You would not believe that, yes, Hezbollah would give up his arms. And soon, if we believe that, if we work accordingly, if we have this, um, this clear vision and a plan, and I don't believe we have to be emotional about it and great, no. We have to have a plan. We have a step one, elections. Step two, a neutral, independent government from its head to its uh, uh, members. Reformists. say to its ass no. or something. <laughs> Reformist. <laughs> and uh, uh, three, to have a national dialogue congress or whatever you want to call it, but a Lebanese national dialogue, congress, whatever you want to call it, to put our concerns on the table. You know, Elias, And I to say our main issue today yeah. is this duwali bi dawli or the Hezbollah within the Lebanese uh, uh, state. There's, I, I don't think there's anything I can actually disagree with in terms of the aspirations. I think it all makes sense. But I'll, I'll try one more time, and I'll push one more time on this issue, because I know there's other things that need to be talked about. That's exactly what happened. 
Bob the Declaration in 2012. Yeah. And that one group even signed on to it and didn't, didn't adhere to it. Um, you look at every national dialogue that happened. We, we watched them. We know them. They happened so many times. They produced nothing in terms of ending this problem. So I'm, I'm wondering, again, I'm sorry to repeat it. No, no, but it's, it's good that you're, you're pushing further. No, I'm trying because, to, you yeah, know what? I'm, I'm trying to believe in that elections in this country matter in solving this fundamental issue. Not only, right? Mm. So let's yeah. not, yeah. it's not exclusively, I mean, not only the elections mm. is the solution. We have to add other elements to that. Yeah. Um, Today, we're not in 2012 when Babda, mm. I think 2012, no? It's 2012, yes. Babda paper or agreement was done and signed by Hezbollah. Yeah. Today, people have witnessed when Hezbollah. Do, do, you, do we agree first? Do we agree that Hezbollah controls the country at a large. Uh, I mean, can we agree on that? Does Hezbollah control a large part of the country in terms of governance, in terms of dis big decisions, in terms of foreign policy, in terms of monetary policy, in terms of... I think, I think it paralyzes. I don't okay. think it necessarily controls, okay, but, but, but it they are a yeah. major dominant element. Yes, absolutely. Okay. They are the biggest paralysis to this current problem. Okay, and what is the result today? We, have a, we don't have a country anymore. We have a bankrupt country, we have uh, poverty that is almost 70% of its population, we have the hospital of the Middle East that became, um, I mean, 60 or 70 years of words, words and, and Arab perception to Lebanon that Lebanon is the hospital of the Middle East. So the healthcare system is totally destroyed. Yeah. We have been the university of the Middle East, and today the education system is in serious danger. Yeah. We have the identity and the premiumness and the nice image that all went down the drain since 2015, especially when the garbage issue went blue, blue in our faces, and then all the environmental uh, issues, all the human rights issues, all the happiness indicators, all the good performance economic indicators. Nothing is working today. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is working. And today people more than ever believe that, yes, the major issue that led us to this uh, misery that we're living is this parasite or this, uh, this abnormal situation or the cohabitation between an armed militia that is getting orders from Iran to serve its regional objectives and a state or, um, or a country that want, backed by its people that want to rise again and get its acts back, in, back, on, back on track. May I throw one particular example? And it's uh, something I've asked in different ways to different guests. Tarabitar. It's been six months or so, seven months, where his 
mission has been paralyzed. Yep. Not because of the problems that make up Lebanon. It's not sectarianism, or the, it's not necessarily even the economic portfolio, or even the local politics. There's a bigger problem than Lebanon preventing him from doing his work. Could a reformer entering parliament tackle that issue? Or is that kind of, that type of reform is the reform that we cannot expect right now? No, we, we cannot have any reform. The, look, the Hajar Zewi, or the first yes. cornerstone yeah. mm-hmm. of any reform in any country, and especially in Lebanon, yeah. is this judiciary uh, system, yes. right? So if we don't have an independent uh, uh, judiciary system, we we cannot have any reform. We we cannot out, we cannot uh, predict any normal country that we have dreamt and we have sacrificed for. We have to have the right judges and in the right places taking the right decisions uh, with all the guts that they have protected and um, not protected, actually immuned by mm. the people's support. And I believe today Tariq Bitar has been supported by the people's uh, hope. They, they were hoping, in. they have put so much hope into him that he could, for once, he could lead this country to the truth of what happened on August 4. And I cannot see that much of wa'hani in dealing with what he was trying to do from the uh, from the uh, from the ones ministers, be it Ghaziz Aitir or Ali Hassan Khalil, or I don't know who the way they dealt with with uh, with the inv- calling them for the investigation or for a questioning session, could you could go that far? I mean, who on earth would 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 react the way they have reacted? I mean, it's so surreal that I I honestly don't know how they have the guts to do that. But you know what you're saying right now to me seems like a reality that transcends parliament. Whether someone like you or reformers that you affiliate with, that you want to see enter parliament, whether they're there or not, that reality continues. And the reason I'm being a bit hard on, on this issue is because it's not something I'm, it's obviously it's not free, it's, it's a common uh, problem, I think. Yeah. Every time I go north now, uh, I'm, I'm looking at every way Uwit tried to trick me into thinking marketing would work, and then you wait for that big surprise and you just get the little flag. There's a lot of Uwit slogans, and most of them, the messaging, I have to say, resonates with someone like me. Meaning that, yeah, I want to see these things happen. I want the issue of sovereignty, yeah, of course I want that. I want a government that works, I want a neutral government. I'm not a member of Uwit, obviously, but that Messaging is something that strikes me as fine. And at the same time, I know that they will not be able to do anything about it. So for me, it's just messaging. And that almost seems like 
rallying up the base rather than offering policy. So could I take permission here and suggest a policy? And you, obviously it's not my place to do this in a podcast, but I respect someone like you. And I think it's fine to say that we deserve the third component that you alluded to as much as the West deserves a nuclear deal, meaning that for Lebanon to survive, we need to have something like that for Lebanon to JCPOA. work. JCPOA. <laughs> I mean, Hezbollah is obviously it's more important for Iran than nuclear technology. A lot of years were spent negotiating, and there may be a revised version coming in days. We deserve something like that to let go of this country once and for all. I wish that that was the rhetoric coming out from uh, critics of Hezbollah's rule, because I don't want to see the acceptors or the supporters of Hezbollah winning that narrative. And that's actually a bit of a segue here. Let's go a bit into the local issues. Yep. You're running in Metin. Before we started recording, uh, there's a name we both know. It's somebody who's been on the podcast, Jad Gilson, running in the same district. And you mentioned it's correct. It's not just you guys. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of people running. <laughs> he seems to channel that message frequently, meaning don't campaign on things you can't promise. And I fundamentally disagree with his diagnosis of Hezbollah, or let's say the way he looks at that problem, I don't look at it the same way. But I have to admit, I think he's right in that if you don't have a policy in terms of local elections on how to deal with it, it's just empty rhetoric. So. What I just mentioned earlier, could that fill the gap in terms of, yes, parliament is not designed to deal with the regional army. It's designed to deal with local Lebanese issues. But at the same time, we deserve a regional deal that ends our nightmare. And we deserve relationship with Iran like we have with any other country, a normal functioning state-to-state relationship, not an embassy that is called Hezbollah in Lebanon, or our embassy to Iran, which is called Hezbollah, just doesn't work. So I'm, I'm trying to find a way forward so that this October 17 issue doesn't continue dividing everyone. It's, it's beautifully put, honestly, and, I, and I, I admire what you said because we, we have to be... Look, I come from a, from a, from a corporate background <laughs> where people or companies do measure your performance and you put plans that you can implement yeah and you put targets that you can reach otherwise you get fired and obviously it's either you get fired or rewarded right or, yeah exactly right and and what what bothers me the most when i was an mp in the parliament is that people do not know who is doing the right thing who's voting for what who's working hard to prepare the policies who promised and stood firm for his promises or for her promises and who just um, excuse my language but bullshits all the time and does the total opposite of what he promised and he states okay i can easily tell you things and do the opposite under table right and this yeah. is i or think do this is or do nothing or do nothing it. but yeah. this is almost i think 90% of our issues in Lebanon is that we just talk about things, yeah. promise things, and not do anything about it. For me, this is why 
to go back in what we we what what we said, I think we have to have those four steps. Mm. Mm. One, because we we also as a as a party, we we don't uh, uh, compromise. We we stood firm against all odds, and and we we had uh, we we paid a high price for our positioning in not going uh, first of all in resigning from the uh, government of uh, Tamam Slim in doing what we had to do because we believed in the uh, solid waste uh, management issue we did not vote for uh, presidency for Michel Aoun um, we did not ally with them we did not uh, participate in this abnormal electoral uh, law we have voted against and went to the constitution council uh, against the uh, the three budgets that were yes. run yeah. we did not vote for Hassan Dieb we named clearly an independent yeah. personality that is Nawaf Slim we, so we yeah. did what we had to do so we have cumulatively um, uh, gathered stands and positions that would give confidence first to ourselves and mm. to our electoral uh, uh, public. For this, I think we, we, we are practical. We are performance-based. We, we mean what we say and we say what we mean. And when we, when we say this is what we will do, this is what we will do. Mm. Because we believe that this will save the country. However, people's responsibility is to, to support people like us, to reach the parliament, to become a bigger pressure force, to be able to balance with what's happening in the country. And yes, we do need a regional deal or a very vocal um, a binding uh, uh, proposition that we can scale up to an international uh, uh, to to the UN, or we we have to lobby for what we want. I we appreciate cannot. this corporate terminology yes. for this issue. I appreciate yeah, the way you're saying it. I, yeah. I think we're we're we have reached. First of all, we're we're in an era that is the performance is measured. Mm -hmm. Okay, everything that we're doing is digital and online. You can know how many people uh, watched you. That's true. How long they've spent on your page, from where they are, what is their uh, a profile, uh, the age group, the, yeah. their lifestyle, where they live, everything. Well, so everything, <laughs> yeah. So everything is measurable, right? You can see them and, through their windows. Yeah. You can knock on their door. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for for us, I think we are in. We are, we are here, and we have to be very pragmatic of whatever we we promise or we state. Mm. But also, there's a big responsibility for the people to choose right this time, not to be fooled by the same people that fooled them in 2018 when we were the only ones against all what's happening. Do you remember the 900,000 job opportunities? In your, in your uh, hometown, Tripoli. Do you remember <laughs> this campaign? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. So th this is, w I'm, I'm, probably he was the only one to assume responsibility and, and retire from the political uh, scene today. But what is the problem with the Tayyar Watanihar? That they have promised things, they have 
achieved nothing for the people. Sorry, who are you referring? Who's the resigned person you were mentioning? No, I'm saying uh, Hariri re- retired. To, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, referring yeah. to the 900,000. Right. So when you said Tayyar Watan Irhal, did you mean Mustaqbal? No, no. I'm oh, saying, oh, oh. what's the problem with the Tayyar? Oh, is that I see. They promised people things that yes, they have yes. done nothing with it. Right, right. What's the problem with with uh, uh, Amal? Same thing. With Uwait, same thing. With Hezbollah, same thing. Mm-mm-mm. Hezbollah especially has been supporting his people with their institutions in hospitals, schools, and probably distribution of food supplies. Mm. But even the Hezbollah people, is this the life that they want to live? Is this the promised the promised victory that they want to digest or enjoy? There's two things you pointed at which I think are important to address. The first is pressure. And I had a recent conversation with, with both, actually two, two episodes, Namit Frim and uh, Naji Abu Khalil, who's the political director of the national bloc, Katlil Watani. And he described it the same way, meaning applying pressure through parliament is in itself an important achievement. You need that pressure point. And I also agree with something you're hinting at, which is there is a void which is felt, I think, increasingly that there's one community that feels less involved in politics today than years back. And you mentioned Saad Hariri, Saad Hariri um, but I think it, it, it's beyond him, meaning even if he is where inertia lies in terms of he's still the old way of looking at Lebanon, he's the Sunni community chief even if that's not popular lexicon today among most October 17 or anyone in my age group or younger, he's still where the inertia is. He's exited. I don't identify myself this way. I don't think of myself either from Tripoli or a Sunni. I think of myself as a, as a guy lost in Marim Khair <laughs> trying to survive <laughs> the situation on Bliss Street right now to do this episode. But he is still where inertia is. And there's a void, and that his his departure has left a problem. Do you think this is familiar in what the many Christians felt in the 90s, where the inertia, they're not necessarily great people, but the elders, whatever that means, were either kicked out of the country or forced out of politics, or some ended up in jail for reasons that were dubious at best, that there's a community that withdrew from politics. And you described this earlier. These were the darker years of politics for Kata'ib. Do you think the Sunni community is going through something like this right now? And does that offer a problem when it comes to who to actually work with? Because I appreciate the nomination for Nawaf Slim. That was something that Kata'ib did out of principle. And yet there are too many people now that are running towards older names that are not necessarily reform-oriented, or they position themselves depending on where the wind is blowing. And I don't really trust these names. So how does Kata'ib deal with that issue? Or is this really something beyond Kata'ib's control? What, the nomination, you mean? Both the void and the, okay. the inability to find a partner in reform. Yeah, I, I, I today I think, yeah, I mean, to, to do this... Uh, 
to benchmark, to compare the 1992 elections with with today, mm. yes, it's, it is similar. Okay. And the depression feeling, the depressed community, and the feelings, I think we 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 went through it. We we lived it. We know what is it. And if 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 we have, if I can have an advice, is that don't do it. Don't retire. Mm. Don't don't feel that you have to be home on May 15. You have to be an active citizen. And I think this is a form or a way to to evolve into a normal citizenship. Mm. Because we should not have leaderships in in an I'm sorry, but in a classical way I would say. And I believe we we have to all be citizens. We have to all be we have to be f- we have to follow programs and projects and, and ideas and plans, not people. Because he can make mistakes, he can obviously uh, drift from his original uh, positioning due to many, I mean, many circumstances. But we have to elevate our active participation in this country into a being citizens uh, or good citizens or loyal citizens for this country and not for people that we follow. And in 2020, despite the void that I can see and I understand because it's an evolution, it's it's going, it does not happen overnight. It's a step by step. Mm -hmm. Today, we should not be dependent or our lives should not depend on whether Mr. X or Mr. Y is into politics or not. I mean, what would happen if Saad Hariri does not come back ever? The the Sunni community would stay on the bench? I'm trying to find uh, a way for all of these things that are largely out of local elections or out of local uh, problems. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find a grand bargain or even a solution that transcends. So I'll give you an, an example. There is clearly one community and one politician, whether he succeeded or failed is an entirely different issue. But there is one name that fell victim to October 17, and that is Saad Hariri. There are other names that were chastised. There were many names that were cursed on the streets of Beirut. There are some parties that were able to jump on the reform bandwagon And there are brand new faces altogether. But there's clearly one personality that failed to a degree and also decided to withdraw. That's the second time. You're ending up now with a community that feels like it took a burden that's not theirs now. Whether this is real or not, perceived or not, imagined, doesn't matter. And it reminds me of the way people talked about Elias Hrawi in the 90s, or Emil Lahoud, meaning that these are... They don't have the legitimacy to represent their community. They're filling a void. And I'll go one step further. It's not just that community, but maybe to a degree, 
even at times you feel it. Current prime minister today is a spare tire. He comes in and goes out whenever there's a transition in Lebanese history, <laughs> or there's an unpopular version of him too. There's a family in Tripoli that's always looking to gain some leverage in this country. They tend to come in and out as the ship sinks. We may have we may have void fillers from all from all regions of this country. And you have one Beiruti who's very loud today in his opposition to Hezbollah. But if memory serves me right, he wasn't that loud about Hezbollah a few years ago. And I think he was louder against Hariri than he was Hezbollah. So that can't that does not mean reform to me. I'm worried that the void if it's not dealt with in a, in a bigger way, it'll stunt Lebanon further. And I don't think the 1990s were good for Lebanon. They were bad. And I really think that issue also goes down to getting regional problems out of Lebanon. Because it makes no sense that the, the most, uh, the largest opponent to Hezbollah in terms of language and lexicon, all that, became the preferred prime minister of Hezbollah, that Saad Hariri turned into Hezbollah's preferred choice. That simply makes no sense. You want to get rid of the reasons that that happens. And I think that goes back into a deal with Iran. But I'm worried that reform this time around, that the aspirations are there, but reform will not happen. I'm really worried that this is the last stage before the end, which is that politics in this country is completely hijacked. And there's not much space to work with. And we're, we're simply waiting and waiting and waiting. I tend to not be so optimistic in terms of local agency. And I'm, I'm saying this to somebody who's running for parliament, which is why I wanted to talk to you about this, that the things you want are mostly the things that I want. But I don't see these things happening. And I, I I worry that it's going to be a letdown, a complete letdown. But you tell me where I'm wrong. No, but are you today debating the importance of the upcoming event, which is the elections? Do you, do you have doubts that this... Because let me also yeah. put it on a realistic, normal... I mean, we have to be realistic. I cannot yeah, just... Sure. My biggest problem in this campaign is I refuse to campaign. Let me mm, tell you, mm. I don't want to do things like I did the first time. Obviously, people did not know me as much as they know me now. Um, but at the same time, we are not in a normal environment to go campaign in a normal way. So for me, this time is different. Mm. This time would determine whether we, we will have a future in this country or not. And this time we have to go all in. And I, I don't see any other resort that, we, that could save us from the, the, the hole that we're in. I don't see anything. And that's the bigger issue, because yes, if we fail, we will fail big, and it will be even, I mean, it would be much harder to 
rise again if we if we if we fall now yeah and this is why as much as it is my responsibility as a candidate and maybe if i'm lucky as a member in the parliament later on to 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 contribute in the change that mm. we want to make mm. it is as important to have every vote of the lebanese people from north to south mm. from 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 beka to to beirut to, to really to revenge the living the, the the ones who caused this living one two to give a chance and i'm not saying to give a reward for the people really to give a chance for the people who had a small chance to and stood firm for what they promised they were serious in working their files they were vocal and 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 brave in their in their stands in the parliament in the parliamentarian uh, committees that that participated in obviously the performance of the parliament itself was bad mm. the parliament was not productive thus we resigned at the at the pressure of august 4 explosion you know i think in a way over time, I'm adjusting to a reality that both are needed. You need the local pressure to remain despite the challenges. And you also need something to change in the region that allows of Lebanon course. to breathe. Of course. I just wish that that message could come from everyone wanting change in Lebanon. Because I don't think the message is there. Mm. I think the message is missing. That, uh, sorry, yeah. Ronnie. Th yes. It's important that because when we started our conversation... I didn't know that we we started uh, <laughs> shooting, and I told you that my my Oops. first reaction was was this that we had those three elements. Yes, that we need people pressure, parliamentarian pressure, or a, a coalition or a group of parliamentarians that would put pressure inside an institution, and an international uh, affinity to what we are looking for. That is a really constructive way of addressing the missing component. I think it's, it, it focuses in on what is not there. And I'll wrap it up, Elias, with a question I don't get the chance to ask that much. You're not a brand new name, but you're young and you're, you're fairly new when it comes to parliament. But your name does go back pre-October 17. I know, just in case the microphone doesn't plug out, then we'll lose you. No, I'm sorry. You can play it with this one nice. if you want. <laughs> I can give you something to play with it. It's time. It's time, it's time to go, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the, I gotta go. I, your name is associated with Parliament pre-October 17. Your name is associated with resignation. Your name is now associated with running for Parliament. So you're in a way, all three. If a younger voter who's not familiar with you before, but knows that you're around prior, and knows that you're from a party that is older, obviously, and a party the way you eloquently described went through its own journey, along with Lebanese history. Why would they be better persuaded to vote for you 
as opposed to a brand new name or a, a brand new political party, one that has no involvement pre-October 17. Is there an advantage towards voting for you? Is there something that gives you maybe added value? I like going back to your corporate terminology. Can we scale up your name to parliament in a, in a way that is maybe with learned experience? You know what works and doesn't? Why are you better than anyone else? I might not be better, but I can. <laughs> I, I, you're giving me now a platform to sell my uh, the campaign. Look, to be honest, first of all, let me let me dissect what you just said. One, yes, I do. I am a member. I am an, um, I'm a proud member of Kate'i Party that has a huge, huge experience in in the national and political and public uh, uh, dealings. And I utilize every best practice and I put it into, into the benefit of what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is why I mean, belonging to, a, to an old party, as you described it. Two, am I not new? Yes, I did serve almost two years in the previous parliament. And specifically, this young generation that would measure uh, people's perform or candidates' performance mm -hmm. on their previous performance or they, uh, the qualities on their previous performance, I would invite them really to go through whatever platform they would like to see what we promised mm. and what we've done into that. And once again, October 17 at night, I was in the streets and I got uh, faced by the, the, the anger of the young people mm. saying, we appreciate you, we respect you, we love you, but this is our revolution. And yeah. you have all year to talk to the TV. It's our turn. to. Mm -hmm. So I gave the mic for this guy who told me that and I stood next to him. And since then, we were so much involved and so uh, uh, we were in the middle of it. Yeah. of this revolution uh, that I think was a dream, was a dream that has, that achieved part of it and the other part is yet to be done. But I remember Beit Kate where protesters yeah, were course, running for course, shelter were, from tear gas. Of course, and, of course we opened yeah. our doors, yeah. our hearts and our minds and our positioning. And we, before we resigned, 10 yeah. days after the revolution, and this is important for us, we presented a draft law for uh, for a new parliamentarian elections, yeah, and and that was, th we believe that we can play a role. To to deliver, the revolution messages into the parliament, mm. and when once they they've done this wall around, uh, the parliament, we yeah. were the ones who objected this and presented uh, uh, a fee and a letter to the speaker. So we've done not enough, but so much because we believed we're not trying to satisfy anyone mm -hmm. because we believe this is at the end of the day, I'm a father for three children and I want my children to live in this country and I'm doing what I believe in. And so this is the part of my small experience, not being a totally brand new name. So I do have a small experience and I can be evaluated accordingly. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, three running again is to continue what I started in this half of a mandate in in my parliament uh, two years and I want to achieve what I believe in and maybe maybe what I might have that is very obvious is that what you see is what you get there's no <laughs> really I mean and I believe if we have more people that can really as is you know mm-hmm. as you are you it's it makes a difference for people to evaluate to reward or to punish and this time people has people would have the obligation if i may say the obligation to punish to punish wha- who led us to this situation and not reward but give a chance to the people who started the journey with a clear uh, not performance uh, uh, yeah a clear performance but not yet delivered the results the mood for accountability is there yes the pressure on everyone is happening whether it's online and in, in real life or with, whether it's even within parties mm-hmm. that there's a there's a drive that's unusual um, I think all of that points into a healthier political uh, a more dynamic, more honest, a more sincere politics that never existed, at least from my memory. And I really want everything you just mentioned to translate into real power so that the biggest issues in this country do not cripple us to complete collapse. And I really hope the positivity you shared um, happens. And I like the way you describe many things, Elias, including your own journey, and you're right. You have children, you're building the next generation, you want them to live a better life in this country. Um, I think that's the most important thing. So I wish you the best. Thank you. Um, And thank you for letting me talk to you about these things. It's an honor for me to even meet you and talk to you for longer than five, ten minutes. Yes, exactly. And and I thank you. And I think you're you're one of the very few uh, platforms or influence influencers that you're that you're putting you first of all you're giving people like me chances to reach a different audience Two, you're contributing in a more calm constructive debates that we desperately need in the country so thank you for having me and i'm honored to come to your family house and i have to mention my appreciation and my uh, um, my big love to uh, your father, the martyr Muhammad Shatah, that really inspired us for many years, for his eloquence, for his uh, drive, for his persistence, for his ideas, and for his national, uh, um, I mean, this huge love that we saw in him before they, they killed him. So it is for them and for our children to do what we have to do. He believed in this country, and uh, I think that's the reason why I wanted to bring you here, to have him in the background. Thank Thank you you for having me. I'm honored to be sitting with him in his house. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and watching. 
and a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. It's one of the best discussions we I've had since long. That's what I want to hear. Bravo. Wallah, I, I usually guarantee this before, but then I'm like, well, maybe you've had a better exchange. No, I want no, this one to be. <laughs> you're not like anyone else.